You're listening to the Real Reading Podcast. Hello and welcome to the 142nd Real Reading Podcast with me, Tom Canning, Rachel Nemeth. Hi. Hello. Uh, and special guest star, Mr. Hugh Fort. Hello, Tom. Hello, Hugh, Rachel. You, Hugh, just on our little video call, are you moving? No. no Why have you no. got loads of boxes? Don't get me started on the boxes. They are... <laughs> light on my life these are the um largely christmas decorations for the shop that oh, okay. have been down here for many many days and right. then they eventually will need putting upstairs but a lot of them have been here for months and months they're just stock for the shop that then we haven't got anywhere else to put in so. in in our backgrounds rachel's got the traditional bookcase with magic hat and various other books behind her and various I've, face themed things yes i have got beer and you have got boxes of stuff which, to be honest, if we were going to... sums gonna, up our lives, does it? It does, yeah, I, th- yeah. I think very much so. If we were going to uh, pigeonhole each of us, I think that is a fair representation of... I've also got a... Although it's largely lacking because all the books are uh, the other side, but I've got a reference library of quirky books about Berkshire as well, which I use very much, very uh, much for yes. content, story. <laughs> we should all have one of those. We definitely should. Um, and hopefully one day Hugh might share them out. They're readily available, Tom. There's not like, like one copy of each of these books available in the world that I'm hoarding. Well, um, make sure you give us a follow on Twitter at Real Reading Pod, and you can join our Facebook group, the Real Reading Podcast group. Coming up this week, um, for reasons that uh, I can't quite remember, I hit on the idea of wondering what everybody's first ever jobs were. So uh, I've asked the team, we've had some responses on Twitter, and then also we are going to get into this idea that Reading is a terrible place to live. And 140 episodes, no, 141 episodes of this podcast suggest otherwise, in my humble opinion. Um, Hugh has written that article, so he's going to talk to us a little bit about that uh, in a short while. Um, In the meantime, here is Jeremy with how you can get in touch with us. Get in touch with the team. Email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at realreadingpod. And join our Facebook group by searching Real Reading Podcast. Thank you, Jeremy. Um, Rach. Yeah. Have you had a time? Have you had time to think back? Um, to your first job. Oh yeah. It always makes me a bit nostalgic when I have conversations about this. Um, yes. My first proper job, which I did try to comment on the Facebook page, but I think I messed it up, um, was if I big it up, uh, a microwave technician in the BHS wow. CAF. <laughs> <laughs> where was BHS? Uh, so BHS was where Primark is now. 
okay. on Broad Street. Yeah. The cafe was upstairs at the front, overlooking Broad Street. Um, so I started working there when I think I was 17, maybe, whilst yeah. I was at college, trying to earn some cash before I went off to university. Um, so in my head, I, mean, I must have literally been there for a year or so at the most. Um, but in my head, it was quite a significant chunk of time. Uh, it feels like ages. Started off out on the counter, you know, making yeah. the teas and coffees, uh, serving up the chips and <laughs> various other things. I believe my first day working behind the hot plate, serving food, um, I passed out because it was too hot. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, it took more than one person to carry me out to the back. I oh, think it's a good start. Um, but it obviously didn't dampen things like because I, you know, progressed into the kitchen and uh, was chief microwave technician by the time I left. <laughs> chief microwave technician. <laughs> that so sounds say, like you were fixing If I microwaves. said it nicely, I, I was a chef. Uh, right. But every item of food either could come out of the freezer ready-made and just go in the oven like a lasagna or something or it was deep fried with the, with the fish and the chips <clears throat> and the turkey dinosaurs uh or it went in the microwave as with the beans so it it was actually quite a busy job because there was a lot of things to to juggle <laughs> but uh but it yeah. didn't require a lot of culinary expertise. It did not. It didn't require lots of culinary expertise, no. But I did cook a lot of fried breakfasts. So are you, would you say you are pretty good at a fried breakfast now? Was yes. it a skill that has left you? No, I know. I, it's uh, embedded in my brain. It never <laughs> leaves me now, especially on the weekends when it was the Reading Festival. That yeah. I, I think the year that I... I was um, chefing uh, for that weekend. I cooked 200 fried breakfasts in a day. Wow. Which is quite a lot of bacon. So. That is. How many mm. pigs is that? I don't want to think about that. No. I don't know. <laughs> a lot of bacon. But, yeah, I really enjoyed that job. And uh, sadly, I didn't keep in touch with anybody uh, that I worked with there. But there was a few people. Who, yeah, who were really, really nice. So I, I do look back at it fondly. And then after that came the Wonder Years at Toys R Us. Oh. God rest its soul. That was, uh, it's coming that back. was good times too. I, yeah, I've heard that. I don't know if it's coming back to Reading, is it? But... Mm, doubtful, considering there's 750 houses on where it was before, whatever it is. <laughs> oh, yeah, that'll do it. But no, there's still, if you go up to uh, Junction 11 of the M4, there is still a Toys R Us branded building up there. Because where yes. they were going to move to and then where shut. it was temporarily there, wasn't yes. it? But then that's a stone throw from Smiths. So yes, Smiths, Smythes. What do we go with? Oh, Smiths. Smiths. Okay. Should we before we get on to Hugh and his undoubtedly going to be hilarious first ever job? Um, should we do some on Facebook? Yes. Uh, because I feel like this job from Councillor Ashley Pierce, um, friend of the pod. I feel. 
uh, his first job is probably exactly the first job Hugh would have wanted. Uh, and it was a Sunday job at Virgin Megastore. It went from the place you meet your mates every weekend to a job. And I feel like that is exactly where Hugh would have wanted to work. Uh, and I, I'm going to build it up because I can't, I, I've read Hugh's submission, but I can't remember exactly what he said. So, and we will do some of the Berkshire Live team as well in a little while. Uh, I won't read out their names because uh, I didn't actually get permission to use them, but uh, I will read out what they said. Um, ben Ash worked at Lower Early Auto Trader Industrial Estate, got canned in 2002 when the telco industry went pop. Oh. Unlucky. Um, Tim Taylor Foster, uh, ex-colleague of all of us, um, she was a paper marker at Berkshire Press, and when pressed on what exactly that was, and this sounds thrilling, she said, uh, involved physically marking off adverts in the paper against a printed report to check that they appeared and were the correct size. Wow. Wow. I mean, I mean, Kim interview, interviews movie stars nowadays, and she started she actually off does. doing what is possibly the dullest job I've ever heard of. Yeah, it hasn't, it hasn't slowed her down, though, has it? No, it certainly she's, hasn't. She's doing very well for herself now. So she started um, off measuring ads. Yes. <laughs> uh, and and another, another regular listener to the pod, Paul Etherington, said he started as a trainee chartered accountant on King's Road, um, office now flats, brackets. Oh, I think that's probably the most. Something now flats. In, indeed. I'm, I'm torn between whether that's the most impressive first job or the Virgin Megastore Sunday job is the most impressive first job. I don't know. Um, any vote? Any thoughts? I mean, Virgin Mega, it wouldn't even feel like going to work, would it, really? Just I, I bet it's one of those. Go there and listen to the... tunes, flick through some yeah. records and CDs. I, I and... bet it was one of those that sounds amazing. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, you spent hours flicking through because they were in those big plastic perspex things and you read them like a huge book didn't you looking for the ones yeah. that you wanted right go um, on then Hugh got a, oh, I've got a couple oh, of Twitter, you've got some more. just quickly oh, okay. got a couple of Twitter um, Scott Butler said Paperboy um, which coincidentally was also my first job delivering the Bracknell Forest Standard around uh, Priestwood in Bracknell um, for barely <laughs> barely minimum no not even slightly minimum wage um, although I suppose technically it was about it would have been about five pound an hour, something like that. But anyway, I'll tell you a story about that in a minute, Tom. I, I'll look forward to it. Um, and I Nathan Hyde, I never did. Nathan Hyde said, "Hugh Fort's tea maker." This is an outrageous piece of <laughs> no, it's slanderous not. Lines. It's not. It's not because in all the time I worked and lived with Hugh, I don't think he ever made me a cup of tea ever, not once. As you can prove, prove con concrete evidence of this, Tom, I'm taking this as a, as a uh, major slur on my, my personality and may well see you in court. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Rachel, I, I spoke over you. What were you going to say? Oh, just that I, I never was a, a paper boy or paper girl. Just I, I think it would probably combine two of my least favourite things of getting up early and being freezing cold. So <laughs> it probably wasn't the job for me. My brother did, but I didn't. Should we um, should we hear Hugh's first ever job? Are we ready? This is going to be underwhelming now because I can't remember what it was. It's it's quite it's not unusual. I worked at the um, I worked at the Old Bell in Graisley Green, which is down the road down the road from where we grew up in Burford Common. Um, 
I can remember that I was paid the princely sum of £3.70 an hour, mm-hmm. which I was, I was very jealous of. People, most of the people from my school worked at Wokefield Park in Mortimer, and they got £4.50 an hour. <laughs> and <laughs> therefore, we were grossly underpaid at the old bell. Um, it was very much like Rachel, um, Rachel's job in that there were a lot of people putting a lot of things in microwaves. One of the main aspects of this job was to return the things that had been put in the microwave to point out to the chefs um, that they were still frozen in the middle, <laughs> and that people people don't like food that's still frozen in the middle, um, which led to lots of the, uh, the the chefs. They were quite a volatile bunch, um, and they weren't very what? happy when you chefs? bought back. Yeah, they weren't very happy when you bought stuff back, particularly. Particularly, you'd have the situation where someone would order a steak, they'd cook the steak to how they think the person would ask for it. That person would then say, this isn't medium rare. So you then take it back to them and say, this isn't medium rare. And they say, yes, it is. Go and tell them, yes, it is. And you'd say, I'm not going to go and tell them that. They're the customer. Can you do another steak? And then there'd be a, a standoff at the hot plate. And eventually <laughs> someone more senior than me would come in and say, do another steak. And that's how that's that process and what else happened so two um one incident i remember very early on possibly my first or second shift was uh, i was we had to collect everything we had to deliver everything and collect everything on trays which is not something you see a lot nowadays in service everyone just just picks up your plate by hand so you had to have this tray which presented a problem if the restaurant was busy because there was nowhere to put it down anywhere near where you would delivering the food to and also things tend to use to slide off the tray if you weren't if you weren't on your game and so on my first day having had very little tray training um i put someone's half-eaten ice cream sundae on the tray and managed it then managed to tip off the tray and land in the in their groin on their chinos and making a, a real mess of said chinos to the point where the man wasn't very happy and it's so embarrassing when that happens so someone like one of the other people there spilled red wine on someone's chinos which is even worse but oh, it's always melted. a chino it's always the worst <laughs> clothing item it, it was the 90s everyone was wearing yeah. chinos in those days. <laughs> um, and the other thing i did was i picked up a massive one of those you know how um, restaurants, I say restaurants, that might be a bit of a grand term for the old bell in those days. It's still there now. I haven't been in there yes, for years and it's years, a, years. It's a, it's a, it's a side hustle to a press premiere. I think it was the premiere in on for it. And that's, uh... it, calls, it says it is set amid endless fields in the bucolic Berkshire countryside. Isn't bucolic a... It sounds like a illness. illness. It does, yes, it does. That's not ideal. But apparently it means relating to the pleasant aspects of the countryside and country life. I've never ah. heard this. I'd never uh, heard this word before, um, but it's still there and it's run by different people yes. and it's completely different to when I worked there. It's 20, uh, 20, God, bloody, 24 years ago. So I don't know what it's like now. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's lovely. Um, but yeah, they, they had this sort of industrial size tub of ranch dressing <laughs> and we'd run out of ranch dressing. So I was tasked to fill up the little, um, what are they called? what they called those little Ramekins. things ramekins yeah so i got in the fridge 
grabbed said ranch by the lid because it's quite low down and i thought surely one of my colleagues would have screwed this lid on properly lid came off ranch fell over went exploded everywhere went all up my leg so ranch has quite a similar look and consistency to bird poo (laughs) so it looked like i'd been in a particularly nasty encounter with a seagull um and it it had a huge range of splatter as well and of course my highly sympathetic colleagues mostly teenagers from my school all fell about laughing and didn't help clean up and i decided at this point that career in catering probably wasn't for me um and yeah that was that was like the old fellow worked there till i was 18 and doing my a levels i think so three maybe three years something like that um and it was all right quiz night on a sunday that was quite fun wonderful um <laughs> should i just just to finish off this little section should we uh should i go through some of these slightly more anonymous ones um what have we got i've got uh my uh another one delivering newspapers i worked at cantonese takeaway um library customer assistant i don't know what that means but that sounds dull <laughs> i presume that just means working in the library and checking out books peaceful yes job <laughs> just being surrounded by books all day just nice peace and quiet oh that's what i long for living in my house <laughs> um this one is from someone who has previously been on the podcast with us. Uh, I taught babies and children with additional learning needs how to swim. I was 14 and I got weed on a lot. Oh, Sounds good. Um, and my the last, I think, but my favourite one is uh, my first proper job was working in a card and gift shop. Most exciting mine got to was when I nearly threw up on a customer and I was the designated person to get rid of any pigeons that flew into the shop. That happened. Why did they have to have a person? Is that written into the job I can imagine there must be someone like around the Broad Street Mall that's designated as the the pigeon shoer. Pigeon shoer, yeah. I I think that is the official term. Can I tell you about another job I had, which I think would make a good tale? This is my first full time job. Go on then. I worked there for about six weeks in in 2000. This was a government department based in Coley Park, known as MAF, which was which was then became Defra, still is Defra now. But I don't think the building's there anymore. Um, we were temps, and it was our job to uh, process farmers. Um, basically, what they'd killed, they were getting money for the the animals they killed. And it was just full of teenage temps and the, let's just say the work ethic amongst these people was quite low and highlights included long pub lunches, um, going to do some filing, which just meant going to go into the filing room and possibly having a nap and (laughs) races around the races around the uh, office site and not very much work. The work was so boring. It was pretty much literally just entering the numbers into a um, database and stamping it so if you got on a good run you could do all your day work in about two hours and then it was just races and filing and pub and 
I'm sure the civil services are like that now, but it was it was very much an example of the cliche views some people have of civil service life. And um, occasionally it was it was it was lit up a bit by a phone call from a very angry farmer asking why they haven't been paid, um, <laughs> which you pass on to someone more senior. But um, yeah, the whole the whole place seemed to be uh, not particularly efficiently run. But I don't think it's I think it's there. I don't think it's there anymore. I'm sure they've got a grip on these things now. I can see you're fondly remembering that, though. It's not a bad job to have when you're 18 <laughs> no. and you're about to go off to college for a year and you just need a bit of money. That was a whopping £5.50 an hour. Oh. I, know. <laughs> I know, right, yeah. Put down a first deposit on that one. <laughs> I'm sure at BHS it was £3 something that I used to get paid. I remember when I worked in a newsagent, it was £3. Minimum wage was £3 something. God. <laughs> That's but a lot of go. hard work to have enough money yeah. to buy anything. <laughs> right, you just work till lunchtime to just cover the cost of your lunch. <laughs> um, just before we move on to part two, when we're going to talk about Reading as a place to live, um, Hugh, I just wanted to uh, flag and remind our listeners of the, your excellent story about Peter Andre at the Willink School. Um, it came up Classic. on. It came up on. Uh, I think I was listening to Radio Five Live the other day, and there was a. Um, I think it was either inappropriate or um, weird places you'd seen celebrities, and one of them was about Peter Andre, mid nineties, with his backing dancers turning up to, um, to to do his to do his shtick at a school run by nuns. <laughs> And I, I desperately wanted to call in and, and tell them about your your willing school shenanigans and how he wouldn't let him leave by letting his car tires down, um, but obviously I didn't. It was I didn't have hands free and it was all a bit. I just couldn't. But yeah, that was. Uh, I thought that was rather marvellous. It a classic a classic moment. Yes. Um, that yeah that really needs national it does need <laughs> national telling at some point. I tell you what, what I will do, um, just to elongate this podcast a little bit, because it's a short one today as we have no interview, uh, I will go and grab that story that you told so well a little while ago and insert <laughs> it. Right. Moments, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I'm going to put it here. <laughs> so that's one. Number the two. best one is a visit from the then up-and-coming pop star, the legendary, the one and only, known to frequent Reading on a regular basis, Peter Andre. Wow. He was doing a tour of schools. He, this is before he was, pretty much before he was famous. He was just, he was must have been, I don't know. Was Mysterious was Girl a, a thing? A distant thing. Him standing in the sea wearing his jeans was just, <laughs> just a pipe dream at that point. Those um, abs. Oh yes, those abs. Yes, we'll get to the abs. It's not oh. objectify the man. Yeah, he was there to promote his music. Um, so he turned up to sing to quote unquote sing some songs. Um, his equipment was set up to play the backing music, um, and he started he started performing, shall we say? Because he definitely wasn't singing, and something happened and the music just stopped while he was doing in the middle of a sort of particularly vigorous dance routine the music just stopped so he had to start again um but the the um the main thing that happened was that his presence caused something of an excitement amongst the crowd of 
teenage girls. It was and the, the look of the head teacher's face when he when he sort of ripped his shirt off to reveal his rippling torso. Um, a lot of screaming. There was a lot of screaming <laughs> and um, a lot of excitement, and he, he he performed. I can't remember. I can't remember the songs. They, they weren't his sort of main songs. I think because he was relatively new, he hadn't come up with those classics, um, like Mysterious Girl. But can you name some more? Uh, flavor spelled <laughs> wrong. Spelled wrong. <laughs> flavor. <laughs> flavor. Um, and but what happened was he he finished performing and then I think he did a few autographs and stuff like that and then he he was, he 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 went to leave because I think he had to go to another school. However, someone had identified the vehicle he was travelling in, and someone didn't want him to leave, and so they had left let down the tyres on said vehicle. And this is this is not a glamorous vehicle, by the way. It's not a limo. It's not a, anything like. That. I think it might have just been a people carrier. <laughs> <laughs> and they let the tires were the tires were all let down, oh. and so Peter Andre then had to sit in the car or sit next to the car while someone sorted out all <laughs> his tires, and this was all because everyone had loved him so much so they didn't want him to go. So Peter Andre, so it came from had, a good place because well, they loved him. I think the person who did it, um, who I, I I can't remember who it was, but they're out there. They know. I think <laughs> it was someone in my year at school, but Whittle. I. It's got Whittle written all over it. <laughs> I'd like to point out to, to any lawyers listening that represent Mr. Whittle that he wasn't at the school at the time. Um, <laughs> I don't think. Um, but yes, he couldn't leave for ages because they had to they had to blow up all four tyres of the, the car. But that is a very memorable visit that is legendary, <laughs> legendary to the pupils of the Willick School in about 1996, something like that. I cannot believe that you have never told this story before. I've never seen Hugh no. quite so excited and animated, <laughs> or animated as yes. that. It's right. Such, it's such a brilliant story. <laughs> he just loves a little celebrity story, doesn't he? And uh, Peter Andre, who, you know, he's, he's just got this kind of warm memory of how funny it was when he came to our school <laughs> and how everyone completely lost control and the look on my head teacher's face at the time when he when he ripped his shirt off the shock <laughs> shock and horror <laughs> okay sorry we're now on the second telling of the story so i'm going to wrap up sorry, there, Hugh. thank sorry, you very no, much that was absolutely unbelievable i cannot i almost want to break this out into an episode of its own where hugh sits down by a fireside and kind of just gently <laughs> leafs through a page of a book whilst, like, Charles Dance on New Year's Eve talks about the time. Twas the, twas the summer of 96. Exactly. <laughs> and a young Australian with a rippling six-pack descended on West Berkshire. <laughs> okay. I thought he was going to tell the story oh. again. <laughs> Hey guys, part two, relatively shorter podcast this week, and we will have someone to talk to next week. Um, Hugh, you've written a story uh, that says, what Reading needs to, to improve after being named one of the worst places to live in the UK. Um, the website ilivehere.com readers put Reading 39th in its 50 worst places to live in 2021. People in the town have suggested some improvements that could be made. So you've been scouring social media, yeah? Yes, um, yes. I'd like to stress early on that none of this is my my own opinion. Oh. I do not think Reading is one of the worst places to live in the country. Um, 
I live here is a uh, yeah, it's 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 a site where people leave anonymous reviews of um, where they live. And, Sounds fair. Yeah, and essentially, then no one ever says anything nice about anywhere. Um, Reading's reviews are they're, they're pretty horrible, really. A lot of them, a lot of them, I've very much stayed away from because they just go on about the type of people who live where near where they live and what they do and all that sort of stuff and it's very snobby and not very um just not very nice but a few of them talk about are a little bit more sensible and talk about what how the what what they think is wrong with the, the actual town and stuff like that um and we've done various things before about just people being negative about it and and that sort of thing but we this time we decided to to use it to um to ask people what they would improve because obviously no is perfect um and we got some quite reasonable suggestions um a lot of silly suggestions i <laughs> used nonetheless but, uh, how long did it take before anybody said get a proper news media service uh not long sadly <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> never does yeah <sighs> yes and but yeah, there, there's some uh, there's some good suggestions. Um, a lot of stuff around traffic, as you might expect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, people talk about buses. How generally the buses are pretty good in Reading. We we we've all agreed on that in the past. But um, one thing a few people said um, is that the um, there's no bus station. Not anymore. No, and I did think this would. This is this is a rather this this is this is something glaringly obvious that is missing, because if you get off the train, actually finding the bus, because a lot of, you see lots of people go, oh, get the app, get the app, but well, that's fine. But you still got to go around trying to work out where your bus actually goes from. Yeah, get the app is all well, all well and good, isn't it? Until, but mm. actually, one of the people who commented was my mother, who said, "Yes, I think she put off getting the bus from Burfield Common because she doesn't know where to get it to go back again." Um, yeah, and she certainly wouldn't be able to get the app because she hasn't got a phone. Um, well, if you're visiting the phone, town, been... do you really yeah. want to have to download a, a special app for that? A special app for that trip. Yeah. The other, the other obvious one is that Google does do all of these bus routes and everything. But at the same time, if you haven't got a phone that does that, then that's no good. Yeah, it's just there's a general assumption that everyone's comfortable with modern, with all this yeah. tech. And quite often, my mum's not hugely old, um, and she doesn't. And my dad's the same; he's the same age, and he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't use an app to try and find a bus stop. He'd just wander around, get cross. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so yeah so that was one suggestion and the bus station has obviously been is long gone it was was it so where station hill is now isn't it like years and years and years ago that yeah. was that was where it is yeah um I suppose, I suppose technically there's a couple of bus spots in the center of town you've got the bit outside the old station and the bit the other side of the station but they're not properly bus stations no the bus the places where buses stop aren't they yeah. and yeah. what um what else what else came up you parking this is another thing i hear a lot about the price of parking in reading it's not cheap i went into reading for a couple of must have only been 
two or three hours yesterday and it was six pounds 40 in the broad street mall the solution there is get the bus but from yeah, the bus, where yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. well the bus is here only once an hour so uh not, it's not ideal um and i had i'm not gonna bore you with my domestic issues but i had to get back by a certain time um and our friend stir he said <laughs> what we published him saying is he said that the pub there are the pubs around i'm not sure if, whether you'd agree with this tom but he says there's not enough good proper pubs um no he's 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 thinking of he's talking sort of about proper boozers we've yeah. got lots of pubs that cater to people who enjoy real ale good craft beer and stuff like that but in terms of proper boozers from sort of back in the day we are lacking a little bit i would i would suggest especially in the town center yes yeah there's i, I probably there's a lot more specialist pubs in the town center not just somewhere you could just go for i don't know to go and watch the football or something like that did that one on the corner um st mary's butts the closed down. yeah yes is that... that's closed I was oh, I thought that and I was worried for you, Tom, because it is coming up to your annual Christmas it's Eve up to the, to the dash big day. around the Oracle. Yeah. yeah. Which you then reward yourself with a pint in the horn. I do, I do. So what are you gonna do? Well let, let, that's for another podcast. I think maybe we can talk about this next week. It's and we can come up with some solutions. Me, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's come up with some solutions. Okay. Um so yeah so i think i think i think i don't think it's a terrible place to live um neither do you two we but we all still live although we all live now live on the outskirts so but that's that's what happens when you get families yeah i know i don't think it's a bad place i think it's got a lot going for it and the amount of people that are moving into the area based on the number of flats that are being <laughs> built for said people suggests that a lot of other people uh, find it an appealing place to live especially as like you said tom uh, if you, if you've got a young family mm. since having alfie i have met a lot of people who fell pregnant and then moved out of london yes and came this way yeah uh, similar um, actually similar so all right should we leave it there for this week unless anybody's got any other business <laughs> Rachel, have you been? I was just going to ask, have you been to the Winter Wonderland in Reading yet? Not yet. We, um, I am being nagged about it daily by <laughs> a certain six-year-old, so I think we are going to go. He is quite keen to try the ice rink, which I am a little apprehensive about, having not been to um, the John Nike <laughs> Leisure Centre for gosh 25 years probably to ice skate. you can't go so, now nor can you no i can't go anymore so it keeps going on they previous years they've had these little plastic penguin mm. things for you to hold on to and i'm yeah, wondering at what age you're not allowed to have one of those <laughs> <Because> <laughs> they I still I have i went one. i went there the uh i went there for the opening to have a look around and um the ice rink looks pretty pretty safe I must admit. Okay. it was very very loud i've heard reports um, that it's not slippy enough in reading in reading the one there's been a lot of complaints about the one in wokingham because <laughs> oh. um, it's not real ice not real ice yeah synthetic um 
I don't know about the one in Reading. I've not seen anything like that, but it, it's quite a, it's a very, the, the big wheel is very spectacular. Yeah, I can actually, I'm just looking out of the window now. I can see the top of it from here. And at night, it's... Right, guys, should we call it a day? A day? Yeah. Hugh, a maybe day. we will see you next week. No. Probably not. Oh, it's just gracious with his presence this one yeah, time only. Well, yeah, Rach, I'm I will sorry. see you next week. You will. Um, and in the meantime, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod and join our Facebook group. Um, in the meantime, bye. 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 You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast.